0: Welcome to the Naked Ambition podcast, where we speak with the people who are making an impact in tech, innovation, and design all over the world. This show is brought to you by the team at Naked Ambition. We are a design-led innovation company, partnering with some of the world's smartest companies to help them solve complex challenges and design new futures. I'm your host, Fiona Triarca. Welcome to the Naked Ambition podcast where we speak with the people making a difference in leadership, innovation and design all over the world. I'm your host Fiona Triarca and today on the show we have Prue Gilbert, the CEO and founder of Grace Papers. Welcome Prue.
1: Thanks babe, thanks for having me.
0: Mm -hmm. So for those of you who haven't heard of Prue, I'm going to give you a little bio. So Prue was named by the Australian Financial Review as the top 100 women of influence for diversity and inclusion in 2008. Marie Claire have also called her the anti-discrimination guru. Vogue have named her a game changer. And Grace Papers, the company, has won the Human Rights Business Award for addressing sex, specifically pregnancy discrimination. Prue, as we said, is the founder and CEO of Grace Papers, who are the workplace and gender equality experts. They also have one of the market here in Australia and also growing internationally, most well respected platform for enterprise to manage employee experience. So, Prue herself is a lawyer, she's a qualified executive coach, and also a fellow of the Governance Institute. So, I'm super excited about this conversation. <laughs> so, Prue, I'd love to kind of kick us off with the origin story of Grace Papers, an incredible company. You've been around now for around eleven years, I believe, so two thousand and ten. Can you tell us a little bit about what was that defining moment that made you decide to make this your life's work?
1: It's funny. I don't know that there was any one particular moment. I think it's. I've always been I had a passion for social justice you know since the beginning of time I kind of grew up with that and since I started my career that's been a core focus so I wanted to make a difference I wanted to use my I guess talents and capabilities to have an impact on others and I think it is funny the way life you know throws you up the the lived experience that you need to actually show you where you can have that impact and for me I guess you know early on in my career I did have some sexual harassment experiences uh, in the workplace Uh, one of them was particularly challenging shall we say and I don't think sexual harassment at the moment needs too much explanation uh, as to the impact that it has but I think as you know a young professional in the law, heading in the right direction, you know, understanding and experiencing those kinds of speed humps, you know, it really did make me think about the impact of workplace culture Mm. on women and you know make me look around and think well hang on I've graduated as you know with all of my peers and I've got plenty of girlfriends and friends who you know have been tracking the same kind of trajectory and then you kind of look up and you think hang on where are all my role models and you know female role models so that was probably the first moment you know, along that journey, you know, continued in the law, to be honest, for, for quite a while afterwards. But I picked up the gender inclusion strategy and actually also the Indigenous uh, strategy when I was general counsel in a publicly listed company. Yes. And that enabled me to really, I guess, you know, get my hands dirty into how we can actually think differently about workplace culture to be far more inclusive and influence change, you know, particularly given I was in such a senior position of responsibility and, and had influence. And to think about how we use that influence for good so that, you know, that were kind of my pre-Grace Papers days. And, you know, Grace Papers really started out as a small consultancy doing the D&I work. Uh, you know, as you mentioned before, I am a fellow of the Governance Institute and a lawyer. So we've always taken an approach that says, how can we apply that, our understanding of both diversity and inclusion and culture with a governance lens mm. as well? So that that's always been... A way that we want to impact the leadership around these issues. But, you know, there was no doubt that when we had, you know, started our family, I kept on getting calls from my friends saying, How am I going to navigate this? And I've got this issue in the workplace. And, you know, our oldest is 11 now. So this is going back quite a long time. And it was that reality that, you know, when you overlay lived experience with the data, we were facing a significant challenge around how do you support people to stay in the workplaces they're navigating, you know, the responsibilities of caring for newborn babies. So, you know, I think the concept of Grace Paper's started small and really in partnership with my husband, Ben, who in many ways has always had, you know, two hands on my back saying, yep, let's go bigger, let's go bigger, let's go bigger, push, push, you know, has evolved into what it is today, more than a consultancy, more than a coaching support. It is all of those things and a comprehensive platform that drives employee experience across parental leave and workplace flexibility with a really clear focus on workplace gender equality. Mm. And, you know, people always ask, you know, why Grace then? Like where did you come up with the Grace concept? And I guess, you know, for us, Grace really is the gift of parenting you know it is a gift uh, but it also inspires and implores people to look for the potential in each other Uh, so that was a core part of what we were wanting to do from a workplace perspective is to really help people to see each other's potential and remove the well known barriers to women's career progression, uh, but also to men's participation in care mm. um, and unpaid care specifically, and start to normalise it.
0: Mm. An an enormous 11 years, it sounds like, and, you know, a lot of transformation as a company in there as well. I like the way you're putting that positive spin on it as well because it's, you know, this is heavy stuff. These are big topics and it's to think even, you know, the time that you've been evolving this business, what has been going on globally as well, so much change. What are the things that you think, like sitting where we're sitting right now, so we're in The month of International Women's or International Women's Month which the day was you know just a week or so ago where do organizations need to go now what do we need to see you know in 2021 what is kind of that change that you really want to see happen
1: yeah I think it's it is such a I was reflecting on this this morning it is such an interesting time to be having those sorts of conversations around where are we now and what needs to change and I think you no, know, we can apply almost an empowerment framework to the social change that we're experiencing or the revolution, because I do actually think that we are in the midst of quite a significant revolution, which is is really, really exciting, but it's also really heavy and it's really hard work. You know, if you look at it through the lens of the social change, and even if we just take the sexual harassment, sexual assault, or the violence against women. Movement Mm -hmm. uh, and change that is being demanded. You know, I think we all kind of thought that, you know, three and a half years ago when Me Too started and that avalanche of tweets and the dismantling of the secrecy that surrounded sexual harassment and assault Mm -hmm. that began, we kind of thought that was the pivotal moment. And in many ways it was and it has been. Yeah. But I think it was the start of the education and the knowledge space you know we I think the past three and a half years we have seen such a massive increase in people's understanding of what actually constitutes consent what actually constitutes Mm. sexual harassment what constitutes sexual assault I've sat sat around many social settings with people who've said oh my gosh I didn't realize that that's what it it was uncomfortable I knew I had that you know that uncomfortable feeling and I knew I felt shame but couldn't actually put their finger on the naming of it necessarily. Yeah. There are also a lot of people who did know exactly what it was and can recall those experiences. And I think, you know, the fact that Kate Jenkins and the Human Rights Commission took on then the work to actually leverage Me Too and build out a comprehensive data-based approach to our understanding of what was going on and validate it all mm. and come up with a series of recommendations means that now too when, you know, I think over the past nine months we've seen it really play out play out in the justice system, in the, in Parliament, it's everywhere, you know, and people are finding their voice in relation to complex workplace systems that are built on power and hierarchy where they haven't actually known what their power was or how they could influence. And and this is the part of the, I guess this is the exciting part of the revolution, Mm. that it's not just women's voices. We are seeing many, many men's voices, hopefully more and more, call workplaces to action. I think we're still very early on in the response from workplaces and it is probably going to take, you know, the most powerful workplace in the country, Parliament, to reform before we'll see widespread change across workplaces. Mm. So that's, you know, really on the, at the pointy end, if you like, of workplace gender inequality. Mm. And we know that it is, the sexual harassment in workplaces is one of the key reasons that women change jobs, mm. and it has a direct impact on the gender pay gap. Because when they change jobs, it may or may not be through choice, mm. and that impacts, particularly in those early years, because we we have a pretty clear picture around who experiences sexual harassment, mm. and you know their age. Um, their colour, their sexual orientation, I suppose all of those factors play into that. So we know that it is about power and not about sex. So it impacts, you know, the gender pay gap, longer term retirement savings, you know, workplace gender equality more broadly. But I think the other thing that we've also seen and hopefully an acceleration of in the past 12 months Mm. is actually how we place care at the heart of our workplace systems and workplaces did that last year Mm. if you actually step back and think well why did we even send people home during a pandemic actually because we prioritized their care Mm. and we did that for everybody you know and we celebrated our frontline workers in a way that I'm not sure that we have seen done before. Mm. Take, you know, organizations like Woolworths and Coles and the way that they collaborated even to prioritize community and care, mm. you know, it was hopefully a moment that we will reflect on and say that was all, has also contributed to the social change that we need mm. to build not just workplaces, but communities that really value each other, um, see the potential in each other regardless of gender and can better enable all people to thrive. Mm.
0: Are you seeing that as something that you think is going to be lasting in the organisations that you're working with as well? Because it's, I mean, I'm talking about the care piece and everything that changed so dramatically last year because you're getting insight to like two of the really hottest topics going around, if you think about it, the collision at the moment, you know, this flexibility, this absolute transformation in our new ways of working and, you know, the great experiment, as everyone's calling it, and then also this enormous push and this groundswell that we're seeing from community voices and different people around, you know, flexibility, gender equality and all of these kinds of topics. Yeah, do you think there is a mass acceleration coming? You called it a revolution before. What's this going to look like?
1: I think there is a mass acceleration coming. Yeah. I think that we have given voice and continue to give voice to employees. Yeah. And, you know, if you take Australia even at the moment, we're gearing up for a war for talent like we probably haven't seen for a while. And it's partly in part because of the pandemic. You know, there are no internationals coming in, foreigners coming in to work here as well. There's it's a different market environment. Professional services would ordinarily see lots of ins and outs, you know, from other countries from a people, a talent perspective. We yeah. um, don't actually have that. So they're all competing from the same talent pool. That gives power to employees in a way that we haven't seen before. I think we also gave employees something last year that they're not to give up again. Yeah. And Organisations, leaders know that. Mm. But we've also lost the, I guess, that adrenaline that came with being in the pandemic last year and the way that we were. So it's really forcing workplaces to think more deeply around two key issues, care and accountability. Mm. Um, How are we going to prioritise care for our people, but also of our clients. Uh, you know, everybody's cognizant of the productivity and outputs pace and the, the servicing of clients. And obviously, I'm talking, you know, in quite a significant way about around those organizations, you know, that can actually work remotely. But then, what are the accountabilities of leaders? You know, and I think this is the new search and expectation is we have a new expectations of our leaders yeah. to manage the accountabilities from an organisational perspective for everything from gender equity... To workplace health and safety, well-being, it is a new skill set or an, a more expansive skill set from actually just working up the technical ladder, uh, picking up some management skills to now managing this hybrid. Hybrid <laughs> is one of the ways that we've heard it yeah. described of employees.
0: Yeah,
1: ways of working. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's high on organizations' priorities. Yeah. It is the number one priority.
0: Yeah. And that's another thing that has been accelerated as well, isn't it? Because, again, it was sort of theoretical for a couple of years, just these concepts of new leadership, not always just thinking about, you know, the leader as the manager and, you know, obviously this has been around for a long time, but really different modes of leadership internally and it's another layer, exactly as you say, of experimentation they're going to need to take on and it's good to I think it is good to hear that with some organizations as well it's not like we're dictating you've got to be back these two days you know which we don't like to hear about but starting to think more about let's wait and see let's let people choose let them come in let's see what works you know all of these again they were theoretical experiments about we're moving to this new way of working and we were just plunged into it and this year is the real experiment experiment. exactly because it's we even though we all had to make it work exactly like you said that we were forced to do a lot last year so even though you know organizations had to respond there was also some pretty clear guardrails around we couldn't go anywhere so we had to do that whereas now it's where you introduce the what will work for you and as you said it is people first it is employee first it's that how do we balance you know you've moved i just heard this this morning you've moved to bright are we going to make you drive four hours back two days a week because now we're saying you know that now we need people in here so we can't we have to kind of walk the talk now this is really when we're going to see organizations are they going to do it or was that just rhetoric i guess
1: And I think the other part of that too is whereas almost pre-COVID still, Mm. the flexibility pace was still primarily a women's issue, a work
0: mum. yeah.
1: Yeah. You know? Yeah. So you could say yes to that small cohort or that particular cohort, but really was it going to have an impact on you managing that one or two individuals? Not that much. Now, like you say, that whole family. Move to bright, you know, it's not working mother that it's impacting. We have to get it right in a different way. Yeah. And I, organizations that are really focused on this are focused on, you know, giving people autonomy mm. around the accountabilities, but also failing fast. Mm to be part of an experiment yeah then you've got to expect that there are going to be so many learnings that come out of this yeah. and you know the way that we learn often is by error yeah,
0: yeah exactly keep uh, on trying it something yeah. tell me about what you're doing specifically in grace at the moment because this is you know you said 10 years ago, we started as a consultancy. You know, it's about the coaching. You've moved to this platform model, been super successful. You're taking it that next step further. Tell us, you know, what you want to do with workplaces and even maybe using technology to do some of that. What are some of the grand plans?
1: Yeah, I guess the mission has always been to reimagine workplaces to be, you know, more inclusive of women men, families, you know, and make flexibility and parental leave gender neutral without experiencing discrimination by either. You know, we know women often experience the discrimination through that parental leave space, but actually so do men is Mm. what uh, we know as well. So we very quickly realised that the success of one-on-one coachings was not scalable enough to fulfil our mission. So we built the platform and, you know, that was about five years ago now. Over that time, we have collected a huge amount of understanding of data in relation to what works, what doesn't, that really focused more specifically on what does prevention look like? What does prevention of gender inequality look look like? As opposed to just redress, which is probably why you won't hear us talking about ourselves as being, you know, just a working parent's support because we're actually focused on gender equality prevention. And we know that the most effective way to drive that prevention is to start earlier you know so when people are thinking about or preparing for parental leave to engage men at that time to engage managers to engage the individuals who are taking parental leave and to disrupt those gendered stereotypes that so many people revert to and I guess experience bias from their workplace because of the history of those gendered stereotypes Mm. so with all of that at the same time, we've as we've done a, a massive piece of work with the Victorian government of four different departments and proven that our methodology, if you like, mm-hmm. and content is effective in preventing gender inequality. Mm-hmm. We've taken that and obviously worked with you guys to say, well, what then, if you overlay that with the user experience and all of the information that comes out of it, how come we take it to the next level of what we want to do? Scaled, model, taking all of the really good bits mm-hmm. and putting it on steroids so that <laughs> really um, it's a souped-up, slick experience for individuals it measures the impact it provides those actionable insights back to organizations you know I think the other thing that we've learned is every single organization wants their own data you yeah. know, it's not enough and I think you know the the respect at work report that Kate Jenkins has done is almost a prime example of that It applies. We know these issues are universal, you know, across industry, across workplaces. However, getting organisations to act on them Mm. and to see their priorities... requires them to have really clear data. So, you know, uniquely to our businesses, we have a number of different experts in gender equality and and inclusion able to do that consulting piece back to the organisation and translate that data into those actionable Steps that they can take really at the top level of the organisation. It's it is a, a governance mm. approach but at the same time supporting individuals along that journey and, you know, I think it's timely that we've got a really clear focus within the platform now too on helping people to find their voice. Yeah. You know, what does it mean? Who do you want to be? Mm. How do you manage your life with additional caring responsibilities secondly how are you going to navigate the village you know so workplaces are really complex places Mm -hmm. (laughs) nobody anymore just walks in the door swipes their tag sits down at their desk does their work and leaves yeah they're complex places and so how in navigating the workplace and the complexities that come with adding change at the personal level into Mm. it. We really want to help people through that part of the journey. So there's the core empowerment piece and then, you know, there is the tactical support, if you like, that everybody thinks they need. Everybody thinks they need a checklist, you know, when they're going (laughs) on parental leave, you know, to navigate all of this. And I think what our research has shown is that's what they think they need, but actually they need agency. So... Through what we do, we've proven that our approach to empowerment is to give individuals agency to in themselves and then to use that agency within their workplace. So, you know, really ties back to our fundamental understanding of human rights and workplace gender equality, the history of, I guess, the evolution of women's rights in mm. all of that. And, you know, driving a movement through all of those thousands and thousands of people who we can support, you know, I think at an organisational level now we you know now support more than 250,000, close to 300,000 wow. employees have access to our platforms. So, oh God. yeah, it's amazing.
0: and That's incredible. What percentage of working Australia is that? I'm just trying to think. I think it's like... Is it 6 million or something? That's incredible. That's 6 million across Australia. So that's, mm, yeah, I'm doing this on the Yes. I don't know, this like 10%. Tough, yeah, tough. it's so massive. Tough. Yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's a great stat. Um, um, we have some of the biggest employers in the country. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so this is, I mean, so as you say, it's doing the tough stuff. So it's like what data can organisations use to move the needle, giving them that going deep, it's backed by science. We are also giving them the data that they need about their own organisation and then a laser focus on that actual user experience. So what are people going through minute by minute when they, you know, are experiencing, you know, whether it is that pregnancy journey or whether whatever it is. Tell us about, because you've done a lot of work, you know, some of that we did together but also before then. You've gone very, very deep over the last couple of years around, what individuals really like that, what that journey is to even come to those insights about agency, you know, that you speak about, what have been sort of some ah ahas for you over the last year about, you know, anything that surprised you or any insights that have really stood out around, you know, what people need and maybe don't even know that they need, you know, they think that they want one thing, but they need the other, like agency was one. Are there any other examples of that?
1: Yeah, I think the expectations on workplaces as well, you know, I think one of the other insights that came back that was, we really had to delve down into and translate mm-hmm. is uh, employees think, for example, that they need better policies, you know, and, and I, hey, I'm the first to advocate for equal, <laughs> cool, you know, or gender neutral parental leave policies. Yeah. But they think that every answer should be in the policy, for example, Mm. and, you know, research shows that they've been quite critical of certain policies and we're like, oh, really, let's scratch a little bit further. And then they'd report back in a different context, no, I actually have a really comprehensive understanding of my policy and, you know, how to use it, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. And so I guess that's where they were looking to really understand how to navigate complex workplaces. Yeah. know, how do I build my support network personally, professionally? Mm -hmm. I think the other thing that we've found is the overwhelm uh, that can come from, you know, too much content and making sure that the experience that we create really reflects the time capacity Mm -hmm. um, that people who are becoming a parent, for example, or, you know, as a busy leader, manager, mm. have. So how can we uh, improve that experience for them? And and really accessing, you know, the latest technologies and yeah. working with innovators to make it a really slick experience as well. So we're pretty excited about what we are gearing up to launch. Mm. Very doing and integrating all of our research. You know, we've just done a piece of work with Pride and Diversity around the LGBT plus experience of parental leave, mm-hmm. um, but more particularly the experience that they have in the workplace. So, you know, we're really focused on being research-driven, data-driven yeah. in relation to the insights and tools and content that we share and also making sure that, you know, people feel empowered along that journey and that they've got somebody to talk to, which is where, you know, we were first and foremost coaches in this space and people love that coaching experience so it's a really innovative way that I think the platforms come together Mm -hmm. uh, in this next iteration to be able to scale using the what we're calling a free-range education approach combined Mm -hmm. with
0: coaching (laughs) awesome and I think the coaching the value of coaching I think it's only going to become more important don't you think Uh, you know I think that's like probably some of I think where sometimes when people move to digital solutions or more scalable solutions you start to replace the really human element and that's what people love like it will you know it will never get old you know what like watching people listening to people have conversations watching people have conversations having them on your own talking about your own experience like in order to do that deep work it's essential it's therapy, I, really. It, it is a therapy.
1: I, <laughs> you know, it's one thing to read an article yeah. about somebody else, but I think exactly to your point, you have to do the work. Yeah. To actually be empowered, it's a practice. It's not, oh, well, you know, I've read four articles and I've got a bit of a checklist. Now I can navigate this journey. You have to actually do the work and think about it far more comprehensively. And I, you know, I mean, a lot of the tools that we use, you know, we'll have partners in professional services come back to us and say, oh, look, somebody in our teams just shared their vision for their career with me. Can you do mine? <laughs> you know, I really so yeah. The tools are really adaptable at any stage of yeah. your journey. And so, but, yeah, I love your insight on the coaching. I think mm. that human aspect is critical. I think a lot of organisations kind of think that they can replace the human experience with totally an online experience. And what mm. you tell us is you can't you know, or they have a preference yeah. for talking to people.
0: Well, it's even at times, Totally. But even your, your idea of it being preventative, I've got yeah. here, like I think that's so critical. Do you even know, you know, you think about big moments in your career or even from a business perspective, like as coaches, we have coaches, you know, every coach needs a better coach yeah. to work with them as well. But often you kind of do it, if I look back at the times I've done it where they're reactive and you're like, right, I've got to get someone in. Whereas if you're working with someone consistently, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's when the real growth can happen. Like that is when it is preventive because it is, it's holding up a mirror to the stuff that you just wouldn't have seen. Yeah. You yeah. It, yeah.
1: need that other person to mine for that gold that's within you. Yeah. And really, if you like, bring your graces to the forefront and yeah. give you back you, give you that confidence and, You know, within those coaching conversations, people are really vulnerable, but they can be vulnerable because it's a safe space to have those conversations and then, you know, have
0: a really unique model that empowers them. Mm. Super exciting. Prue, do you want to tell us what I'm going to just give us a kind of a closing question? You can riff on this for a little bit. What's been the biggest surprise for you in the last few months personal growth anything else in the business anything you want to share with us as well what's been the biggest surprise
1: I think the biggest surprise for me or the biggest challenge perhaps too is probably being finding myself in that sandwich generation of carers you know just as we came out of COVID last year my mum was diagnosed with mesothemioma so she was in hospital for about a month and I think it's given me I'm mean, that lived experience of how do you navigate the caring responsibilities for your children but also, and for me, it's not a burden, caring responsibility for, you know, my mum, it's actually that I want to be there and close to her and, you know, and all of that. So that's probably been the biggest challenge and, you know, at the same time obviously where. <laughs> Slack chat, really busy in the middle of a, you know, feminist revolution. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Flexibility revolution. Launching (laughs) the new platform. (laughs) Pandemic. But I think it's probably been so validating the importance of gender equality at home is Mm. probably where I come back to and to have had the wisdom or foresight somewhere to choose a partner who doesn't see it as my work to do you know whatever needs to be done on the home front or the parenting front or you know is truly in it with a shared vision you know shared parenting legacy if you like and commitment that it's not going to be my career that falls by the wayside it's not going to be his Mm -hmm. we will navigate the next phase of the journey together it's probably you know just It's the aha moment again that keeps coming back that, um, you know, men in my life have always stood up and, you know, Ben in particular. And, yeah, I think that we need to stay focused on uh, the longer, you know, the gains for not just women from gender equality but
0: for men as well. Yeah, such a great parting thought. Thank you so much for joining us, Prue. This has just Absolutely. been an awesome conversation. I'm so excited for you. Look out, world. Here comes Grace Papers. New <laughs> you and improved with a, a lovely facelift. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be amazing. And good luck tomorrow. So, speaking of you and Ben, so you're on a, you've got a live coaching session as well, don't you, tomorrow?
1: Oh my goodness, I'm not really sure why I agreed to this or even came up with the idea that yes, you know, in most Fridays we, I am the one in the moderator seat, mm-hmm. and we have guests on sharing their different lived experience and so forth. Yeah. Tomorrow was part of, you know whether we're calling it the revolution or international <laughs> women <labor>. uh, <laughs> and our commitment to women in leadership and gender equality more broadly, we are sharing how we have chosen to challenge the gendered stereotypes personally and professionally. Mm. And God knows how it's going to unfold. So Ben and I are in the hot seat. We've got the, <laughs> um, the incredible Sabina Rage interviewing or coaching us. So yes, most welcome to come and uh we've made this a public event.
0: <laughs> Amazing. Okay. Well, that's a good one. So for those people who are listening if this is past the date, there might be some more future live coaching events that people yeah. can tune into, is that right? Absolutely. Head to the website and uh, some of the past recordings are on the public part of our website as well. Perfect. All right, so we'll link in some details as well on how to get in touch with Prue if you want to follow up on anything that she's spoken about. We'll add your LinkedIn profile there as well and, of course, the links to Grace Papers so you can jump into the community pages and check out some of the amazing content that's available to everyone as well if this is the beginning of your journey. So thanks again, Prue. It's been so good to have you on the show and um, enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks, Faye. It's a
1: pleasure. Bye.